Summer's End. A Good Omens Potfic, written by Feral Tuxedo and read by Literarian. Chapter 11 Summer Night. To Azerafal's astonishment, the following weeks brought rain and cold air from the west and in its wake an unexpected flurry of clients. And so things rather suddenly went back to normal. Though if he was entirely honest with himself, he had to admit to some confusion over what exactly normal entailed these days. Everything had been so much simpler before Crowley's arrival. Normal had been a quiet cup of tea in the morning with a favourite book, followed by an uneventful day of waiting for clients, interrupted by occasional hours of actual work. Normal had been peace, but it had also been loneliness. Solitary baths in the stream and the helpless exasperation of his garden getting wilder by the day. And now? Now Normal was hearing Crowley whistle from the vegetable bed when Aziraphale took his clothes off for his morning dip, secretly hoping he'd turn around and look at him like he had done on that first day. Normal was an increased intimacy between them, built on Crowley's bare heart. And the disconnect of Aziraphale's own confused feelings fighting with his hard-earned sense of independence and security. He had always had plenty of sex, plenty of intimacy in his life. But he'd never craved it like he did now. Never craved one particular person's touch like that. And now, in this new normal, it seemed more within reach than ever. There was something of an understanding between himself and Crowley, growing steadily every day. And that was becoming normal too. Like Crowley asking, good client, when Aziraphale wandered down to the garden for a wash and a lazy hour in the hammock. That was normal. And normal was Aziraphale answering with a degree of honesty and openness that was still a little uncomfortable, but nowhere near as awkward as it had once been. He tried to make it easier on himself by taking the bluntness to the extreme. Thought my tongue was going numb. This one really took his time. Or... Did you hear the noise he made when he came? I thought a demon had broken in. Or, pass the cherries, I need something strong to get that taste out of my mouth. And inevitably, Crowley would laugh and blush and run a hand through his hair, and it was enough to make up for whatever minor annoyance the client had caused. One afternoon in early August, Aziraphale opened the door to the van just as Crowley was returning from the garden, carrying a basket full of what he now recognized as chard. Good client? Crowley asked, 
peering up at the road where a man was just turning the corner towards the motorway. Aziraphale only winced and sat down in the folding chair, where he leaned his elbows on the table and let his head drop into his hands. In a heartbeat, Crowley knelt on the ground beside him. Fuck, what's wrong? Are you hurt? Aziraphale shook his head. I don't believe you. What happened? Was it the client? What did he do? Nothing. He was just, you know. No, I don't know, Crowley snapped. He was what? Massive. Massive what? What the fuck are you... Oh. Crowley stared at him for a moment with his mouth open before he jumped to his feet and fled into the caravan. Through the open door, Aziraphale heard the clang of the kettle slamming down on the hob, followed by the hiss of the gas being lit. He grinned and made his way over, stopping in the doorway to watch Crowley rinse out a mug. Biggest cock I've ever seen in my life, Aziraphale croaked. Thought he was going to pierce my diaphragm. Crowley let out a weak giggle. <laughs> sorry, sorry, it's not funny. It is, though. You should have seen my face once he pulled it out of his pants. He began to laugh as well, which hurt his throat even more, so he took a few deliberate breaths through his nose while Crowley poured hot water into his mug. As Crowley made tea, Aziraphale's thoughts returned, once more, to the question he'd been dancing around ever since his last visit to the hotel. The question Tracy had asked in that tone that suggested that she knew the answer Aziraphale had not yet figured out. The problem was, and every time he admitted that to himself, he felt the flutter of panic in the pit of his stomach. The problem was that he liked having Crowley in his home. Not just in the garden, harvesting and weeding and turning the soil, but in his bed also. In his kitchen. At the table outside. All the spaces that had once been his own now felt incomplete in Crowley's absence. His thoughts must have been written plainly on his face, because after Crowley had stirred a heaped teaspoon of sugar into the mug and handed it to him, he studied him with a long, apprehensive look. Remember when I got here? he asked, rather tentatively. What I said I'd do for after the summer? Aziraphale took a sip of tea, hot comfort for his sore throat. You told me you wanted to settle in the area, build a house. Yeah, well, I haven't. Crowley leaned back against the kitchen counter, gripping onto it with both hands. The question burst out of Aziraphale before his better sense could stop him. Do you want to leave 
at the end of the summer. I like it here in Tatfield, but with the garden and the fire pit and going to the farm and everything, I haven't had the time to sort that out. He glanced away, down at the floor. I did actually have an idea. There's that one barn building at the farm. Solid door and windows, walls in good condition, just the roof needs a little fixing. I thought, once summer's over, I thought I might move in there. It's hidden away, too. I've never seen anyone else there, not even cycle tracks. The farm? Yeah. Why? I thought, it's either that or leave and go north, isn't it? Can't stay here. Can't afford the hotel anymore. But Crowley, the farm is miles away. That's what, a two-hour cycle one way? Their eyes met, and what Aziraphale saw in Crowley's was confusion overlaid with pain. That didn't make any sense either. It's perfectly doable in a day. I can still come visit and do your garden. Crowley sounded oddly defensive about it. Soon it won't need working every day. I can drop in once a week or so and sort out the weeds. Though you would have to pay for it, now I'm broke. The garden? What did Aziraphale care about that? The garden was nothing, absolutely nothing, without Crowley in it. Pay you for the garden? Crowley, what are you on about? You want me to do it for free? You can't expect that from me. I'll have to find something, got to make a living somehow, once I'm no longer under your roof. No, that's not what I meant but it was too late. A sudden coldness had swallowed Crowley, strange and otherworldly in the afternoon heat. Right. He let go of the kitchen counter and squeezed past Aziraphale before he had the chance to get his thoughts in order. Still need to sort out the grapes. Crowley muttered as he stalked away through the open door and disappeared in the thicket. Don't wait with dinner. Any instinct to run after him was immediately eclipsed by the realization that he didn't know what to say to him. Crowley's upset at his situation was evident. In the spring, he had arrived at Aziraphale's caravan as a rich man with a mysterious past. He would be leaving in the autumn without money and without a home. But that was the point Aziraphale had been trying to make. Crowley didn't have to leave at all. He belonged here with Aziraphale. This could be their home. Their garden. Not some faraway barn. Not weekly visits and money exchanged for manual labor. He drained his tea, which was still a little too hot, and slammed the mug back on the counter. Why did everything have to be so complicated? And with Crowley stalked off in a huff, 
there was no one here to help him figure it out. How he longed for the easy communication of old. It was painful, the thought that he might call up Tracy, that he might see her as if she was in the van with him. How he would let her make fun of him before she inevitably told him what was going on. But here he was, by himself, with nothing but his books to guide him. There was the secret garden on the shelf next to the bed. He and Crowley were halfway through it already. A half hour every evening, which Aziraphale relished and cherished. A ritual he'd miss more than he could bear to think about if Crowley made good on his thread and moved away to the farm. It was just like him to stomp off in a half just when Aziraphale had finally figured it out. It really was very simple. He wanted Crowley to stay. He thought Crowley wanted to stay as well. And all the fears, the worries that had held Aziraphale back so far, well, they were for him to overcome. Because the alternative was much more terrifying. And as much as he'd gotten used to the new normal, things could change from one day to the next. Eric's sudden leaving had been a mere disturbance in the peaceful steadiness of Aziraphale's life. But if Crowley were to leave, it would wreck him. He couldn't allow it to happen. Not if it was in his power to stop him. Aziraphale sighed. There was nothing for it. He'd wait here in the van, and when Crowley returned from the garden, he would sit him down and ask him to stay. Beg, if necessary. The thought made him anxious, even though the rational part of his brain tried its hardest to convince him that it would be fine. It would all be just tickety-boo. He threw himself on the bed with persuasion and sank into the comfort of someone else's love story. The book was worn and torn, patched with cello tape in several places, and Aziraphale could recite most of it by heart. Yes, this was just what he needed right now. The perfect distraction. He might have completely forgotten about Crowley had it not been for the torchlight suddenly going off. At first, he was annoyed. With his finger still on the page, he pulled the torch off the makeshift holder from which it hung suspended. It couldn't have run out of charge. He'd laid it out in the sun that morning, like he did every day. It had to be broken. He shook it, listening out for the giveaway rattle of a broken bulb. He squinted at it, but it was too dark to make out any details. It was too dark. The sun had set. Crowley was still outside. 
In the span of a heartbeat, Aziraphale was up on his bare feet and out the door. It took a moment for him to find the thicket in the ever-growing darkness. The air wasn't completely black yet. Dusk was only beginning to turn to night. It might not be too late. It could not be too late. He heard the demon before he saw it. The soulless grunts that were usually muffled by double-glazed window panes, the background noise of countless sleepless nights. The soundtrack to his evening reading. Except now it was frighteningly loud. He pushed his way through the overgrown hazel bushes until he arrived at the garden gate. And there it was, a nightmarish apparition lurching across the vegetable bed. It moved quicker than Aziraphale had expected. Had it been human, it would be marching at a leisurely pace. But the demon, gangly and uncoordinated, appeared faster than that. It was making straight for the pear tree, and without quite realizing why, Aziraphale ran towards it too. Then he saw it. The copper sheen of Crowley's hair glowing in the moonlight, cascading down from the hammock, gently rocking despite the lack of a breeze. He was asleep. The idiot had fallen asleep in the garden and they might both pay the price for it. Aziraphale bolted across the dry grass, eyes fixed not on Crowley but on the demon steadily advancing towards him. Like moths to a flame. And this was surely not the only one feeling the heat from Crowley's sleeping body, shambling towards it, starved and ready to kill. The hammock shook when Crowley finally awoke, stirred either by the moan of the demon or the blood-curling scream Aziraphale let out when he crossed the final stretch of grass and found himself, for the first time in his life, face to face with a demon, an arm's length away. The stench of it hit him first. He had never paid much attention to how a long-dead creature might smell, a monster that spent half its life underground. Rotten. Putrid. Aziraphale wanted to wretch, but even in his disgust and terror, he realized he had to act fast or he would become the demon's first victim of the night. And yet he did nothing but stare at it. Its lanky hair and empty, unseeing eyes, while his heart pounded away in his chest like an animal in its death throes. Aziraphale. Crowley's voice jolted him into action, and it was the voice that carried with it a memory of not so long ago. Their balance is awful, so instead of going for the head or the chest, close to their center of gravity, you've got to throw them off balance. 
just as the demon turned its decaying body towards the hammock, Aziraphale swung one leg and kicked out with all the strength he could muster. His foot collided with the demon's kneecap, sending it backwards, falling and flailing. It dropped to the ground in an almost comical heap of limbs. The hammock tilted and Crowley jumped out, grabbing Aziraphale's elbow and pulling him away from the spectacle, to which he was glued as if he was in a cinema of old and this was nothing but a scary film. They ran back towards the garden fence together, just as the demon was beginning to gather its bearings, slowly pushing back up into a standing position. There was more howling from further down the stream. Even as Aziraphale scrambled up the path towards the caravan, he realized how lucky he'd been to only have encountered one. If he'd gotten there just a minute later, he would have found Crowley dead, bloodied and bitten and freshly turned. The thought hurt more than the hard grip of Crowley's fingernails on the flesh of his forearm or the pinpricks of twigs on the soles of his feet. They ran all the way up the path without stopping, without slowing down, even as the branches of the hazel bushes pulled at their clothes. Finally, after what felt like hours, they made it back to the caravan. The door slammed shut, but Aziraphale didn't let go of Crowley. Couldn't, even if he wanted to. He had both hands gripped so tight around his forearm, he knew his fingers would leave white imprints on his skin. The demon's cries were still echoing in his head. Or perhaps it was the adrenaline rushing in his ears. You're all right, he panted, taking in the sight of Crowley, unharmed. I... Kick the demon, and you're all right. He looked ruffled, like he always did in bed in the morning, hair tangled and tousled, falling about his shoulders. But his skin was smooth and tan, the only irregularities, the smattering of freckles across the bridge of his nose, barely visible in the fading twilight. I'm fine. Fuck, you totally kicked that demon. <laughs> A single laugh burst out of Crowley, high-pitched and frantic. Aziraphale threw his whole body at him, slamming him against the door of the van. He wanted to say, I could have lost you, and don't ever do that again. And even, I swear, if I have to keep you locked inside this caravan, I will. But the words didn't come out, wouldn't even make it all the way to his vocal cords, which was probably for the best. Instead, he pressed his lips against Crowley's and his hands to the varnished wood of the door, beyond which the demons were locked out, incapable of getting to either of them.
The thrill of survival bled seamlessly into the thrill of Aziraphale's first unpaid kiss in a decade and a half. If Crowley was at all surprised by how things were going, he certainly didn't let on. His hand swept up along Aziraphale's spine, settled on the nape of his neck, drawing him closer. As if this was the only logical consequence to nearly being bitten by a demon. And perhaps it was. It wasn't their first kiss, but it felt like it. Every drag of skin on skin, every sweep of their tongues against each other was a revelation. Every moment made Aziraphale want like he'd never wanted before in his life. His palm was still flat against the door, an extra precaution against the monsters that had nearly taken everything away from him. The wood was warm underneath his fingers, and Crowley was equally warm in his mouth. Their hearts were beating furiously, a tangible, nearly audible proof of their survival. Aziraphale. Crowley's voice was a whisper, cool air on wet lips. Wait, stop. Aziraphale ripped himself away chest aching with the desire to wrap himself around Crowley and never let him go. What's wrong? Don't you want this? He pressed his thigh up to Crowley's crotch, felt his erection against the stiff fabric of his trousers, solid and insistent. Don't you want me? You know I do, but we... The arrangement, you said. Fuck the arrangement. We made it and we can change it. It's you and me, Crowley. We can do what we want. He held Crowley's gaze until, with the smallest nod, he relented. Aziraphale nearly laughed with relief as he sank down into a crouch, hands already at Crowley's belt. But before his knees could touch the floor, strong arms pulled him back upright, pushed him backwards towards the bed. The beige walls of the caravan spun around him. No, not like this, Crowley rasped, low and desperate. Over here. He wrapped one arm around Aziraphale's waist and lowered him onto the mattress, eyes big and full of fire. He draped himself over Aziraphale like a blanket, warm and heavy and unexpectedly soft. They fell into another kiss, and amidst the rustle of hands pulling at each other's clothes and the creaking of the decades-old mattress, Aziraphale thought he could hear the faint shuffling sound of demons outside. The curtains were open, and moonlight illuminated Crowley's hair in copper as he raised his head and breathed light caresses onto Aziraphale's neck, 
before he slipped both hands underneath his shirt and pulled it over his head. More kisses fluttered down over his collarbone, accompanied by the trail of fingertips across his naked chest, down his side, right into the waistband of his trousers. By the time he realized what was happening, Crowley had already slid down towards the end of the bed, settling on his stomach between Aziraphale's legs, with his own knees bent, the tops of his feet resting against the wall. Aziraphale squirmed as his trousers were zipped open, long hands keeping his hips pressed down into the mattress. Just let me... Crowley panted, hooking his fingers into Aziraphale's belt loops to reveal his pants, his cock pressing against the white cotton, tenting it obscenely. He couldn't remember the last time he'd done this. The last time he'd just laid there, passively, letting someone else spoil him like that. He closed his eyes, focused on the sound of Crowley's breathing. Hard and heavy. The warmth of his breath on his exposed cock. And finally, the wet heat of a tongue on him. Aziraphale let out a moan, writhing on the mattress. He was anchored only by Crowley's hand that was splayed across his belly, holding him steady. The bed shook as Crowley pulled off his own trousers, dropping them by the side of the bed. Aziraphale longed to reach out, to touch him in return, but he found himself pinned in place by the nearly overwhelming sensation of Crowley's mouth around his cock. The moment threatened to overtake him. He knew sex to be a transaction, but this felt like a gift. One he was made to lay back and take. He didn't know what to do. His fingers reached down to wrap around Crowley's hair and then disentangled themselves again. He dug his nails into the bedsheet and tried to prop his feet up on the mattress, but his legs were shaking too much. Will you stop wiggling? Crowley mumbled, pulling off him for a second to speak before he swallowed him right back down again. Good Lord, how did his clients ever survive this? Through the waves of pleasure, he was dimly aware of Crowley's hand reaching between his torso and the mattress, working his own cock as he continued to lavish attention onto Aziraphale. The mere thought of it made his toes curl. He wanted to touch and he wanted to see, but he couldn't. Tension was mounting in his body, and he forced his eyes open, raised his head off the thin pillow to drink in the sight of Crowley, bracketed between his thighs, lips stretched around his cock. 
the image was pure bliss. Crowley, I... Fuck! There wasn't quite enough time to warn him. A moan vibrated against Aziraphale's pelvis and he let go, coming with a cry that drowned out the wheezing of the undead outside. Crowley's throat squeezed around him as he swallowed. His own movements became more erratic and Aziraphale watched his orgasm crash over him. Even in the near darkness, he was so beautiful, with his eyes pressed shut and messy strands of hair brushing Aziraphale's hips. There was the briefest moment of stillness before Crowley crawled up along Aziraphale's body, dropping heavily onto him. Aziraphale's fingers came up to cradle the back of his neck, and somehow that point of contact helped with the floating feeling of lightheadedness that was overtaking him. Good Lord, Crowley, that was... <sighs> the sentence ended in a still rather breathless sigh. He felt Crowley smile against his chest. Not bad for an amateur, huh? Aziraphale chuckled, slowly sinking back to reality. He was hot and sticky, and one of his feet was going numb. He'd not been this happy in years. Of course, you'd be so horribly smug about it. But next time, do let me touch as well. Next time? Crowley said cautiously. Is there gonna be a next time? Aziraphale's breath got stuck in his lungs. Unless you don't, I don't want to assume, but I was rather hoping, why wouldn't there be? Crowley tilted his head up. Aziraphale could tell he was looking at him, but it was much too dark now to make out his expression. His voice, when he spoke, was strained. Because tomorrow morning you'll wake up and regret all of this. Without the rush, without the demons outside, you'll regret this and you'll resent me. For breaking the arrangement, for not being stronger and resisting you. Something fierce lit up inside Aziraphale, a fiery manifestation of all the convictions he'd slowly come to accept these past weeks. No, Crowley, no. You mustn't talk like that. I know what I want, and that's you. I won't regret this. I promise. He wasn't sure whether he'd managed to appease Crowley or not. But his breathing slowed, either from contentment or from exhaustion, and he didn't say anything else. Which was fine. There would be plenty of time to talk tomorrow. For now, they were here, and they were safe, and they were together.